Thanks for joining us for another edition of Lead.exe. I'm Brian Comerford in Denver, Colorado. And I'm Nick Lozano in Washington, D.C. And today we're going to do a little leadership Q&A. And uh, what that means is we're questioning and answering each other. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of funny to say. This episode came about as, you know, we were searching for topics and um, for anybody who doesn't know me, I create content on LinkedIn and I've used this one resource when I've been stumped, right? Because just like anything else, like you create content, you can get writer's block, right? Where you, you talk about one thing so many times and you're like, I don't even remotely know what to say, but you might see a question and it just spurs like inspiration, right? So the resource we're using here is something called answers, answer the public.com. This is a pretty cool little website that you can kind of just put, you know, like one or two word phrases in here. And for this, we did a leadership, right? Uh, let's let's pull it out and see what we got, and just kind of make an episode from here, right? Yeah, I like it. It's it kind of presents you with like a mind map uh, sort of graphic, you know, that um, if I understand it, is culling from some of the top uh, search keywords that are input on this type of topic, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, it it goes everything down from the who, what, where, when, why, how, down to then comparing. Um, And like you said, I believe it's search terms across Bing and Google and maybe like Quora or something like that. I can't remember where they get their data sources, but basically they're, they're querying a data set. You know, obviously that's like that. That's like a Google or something where somebody, you know, puts in, data looking for questions back okay great well uh i i love some of what i've seen here and uh, again you know looking at how this is segmented out who where why how will can right so so let's just grab one of these that uh that seems like a, a good starting point point um i know that that one that jumped out uh, for both of us was, can leadership be taught? Ooh, it's a good one. It, it's That's especially good, good since it's something that you and I have both been passionate about. <laughs> so who's answering that one first, right? Okay, well, I asked the question, you so you're, go? okay, you're okay. going first, right. man. Okay, Ooh, heat's on me. You know, I only have a <laughs> podcast and live stream twice a week. I think I can handle myself. <laughs> <laughs> Can leadership be taught? And I'm going to say, answer this very simply and say the answer is yes, right? There might be people might have inherent qualities that make them natural leaders, right? Maybe they're charismatic. They have good communication skills. um, Their emotional intelligence level is high. But just like playing a sport, you can have all that talent. But if you don't put in the work to make yourself better, that talent only means so much up to a certain point. So in my opinion, no, leadership can totally be learned. It's a learned skill, right? Obviously, there's some some skills that you have that are maybe not as lacking. Maybe some people aren't as emotionally intelligent, and that's something you're aware of, um, and you work on that. But then maybe you also have really good communication skills, right? And you can leverage those more um, you know, than some of the other ones. So it's, it's a matter of knowing your strengths and your weaknesses and working on them. And it's also, you know, like people always say to, 
work on your weaknesses, which is a good thing, but I don't think enough is stressed on that it's also worth it to work on your strengths too, right? Absolutely. You can always be a little bit better and everything. Um, you know, once you get your weakness up to a certain point, it's worth going back to your strength and revisiting it um, and brushing up on new skills. What, what do yeah, you think, Brian? Yeah, and I love that you touched on that because Strengths Finder is one of those, you know, evaluation uh, options that comes to mind that I think of right away. Strengths Finder, you know, being uh, both a, a book but uh, also uh, an exam, and it helps identify, you know, based on your answers, your inputs, your top five strengths. And the impetus of the book is to, in fact, you know. Rather than trying to solve your weaknesses, go for leveraging your strengths. Uh, from a you know teaching leadership perspective, I mean it's something that that uh, you and I have worked with a couple of partners in our Up Path seminar. Uh, you know, really structuring uh, what are some core leadership principles. How can those be affected regardless of what type of organization that you're in? Uh, so, do I think that leadership can be taught? Absolutely. In fact, you know my own trajectory as a leader has always been about being a life learner and mm -hmm. i i love you know going to other leadership seminars looking at things like uh ted talks online um you know reading books about leadership uh reading a book on uh lincoln on leadership right now and you know picking up all sorts of things that are not necessarily within the way that I typically frame my own thinking, but as I learn about why was it important to Lincoln and you know what were the situations that he was confronted with at the time, there's a lot to be learned. And so those things you know all come into a new um, frame of reference and context, I think, where it does help you build upon your own natural strengths. Some people, I, I think, tend towards, you know, when you ask the question, uh, are leaders born or are leaders made? Uh, you know, I, I know that you and I have done this in exercises yeah. before in a working group where it's almost a 50-50 split in terms of who answers which. And I think you addressed it pretty clearly up front. Yes, there are some, you know, whether it's natural charisma or you know, certain characteristics that help stand out and create that magnetism for someone that inherently creates followership, then yes, you, you have been born into some, you know, sort of leadership stature for, for whatever reason that genetics favored you in that way. But uh, for the majority of us, I think leadership is learned and it's, it's learned from a very early age. And sometimes you can have some very negative characteristics that still factor into your leadership style, but those in fact do become learned characteristics as well. Yeah. Like you said, I think that's a great way to wrap it up is like, you know, it's all learning, right? No matter how good you think you are at something, you can always learn more, right? There's always somebody out there who knew, who knows more about something than you. Um, so I, I think it's a great point you made right there. Just always be open to learn and, and realize that you don't know everything and just be, be honest with it. Right. I agree. So let's, uh, let's have you take a stab Let at me finding the Let next me one here. You one here, right? That's right. That's um, right. so I was looking there. Okay. So why does leadership matter? <laughs> why does leadership matter? Okay. Yeah. It, it seems 
it seems like a, a question that answers itself, but <laughs> so, you know, we've talked about, uh, you know, the example uh, in extreme ownership uh, that uh, is referenced with uh, the boat races, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got uh, four teams, four different leaders, uh, each undertaking the same set of tasks. And yet one particular leader continues to outperform all the other uh, you know, boats that are in the same activity until in, in that activity, the leader from the top performing team is switched out with the leader from the bottom performing team as an experiment to see, well, what's going to happen here? Is it uh, a matter of leadership or is it a matter of the effectiveness of the team? And what's the answer, Nick? It's the leadership, right? That, <laughs> that last boat comes in first. Yep. That's right. That's right. So why leadership matters, and you know, I've said it many times, it's, it's not the thing that I came up with, but uh, leadership is defined by followership. And when you have followers, that means that you are the one who is helping to articulate the objectives so that everyone is rowing the boat in the same direction, at the same pace, in the same way, towards the same goal. And, uh, you know, being able to effectively take a team, whether it's a team of you as a leader and one other person, or if it's a team of you and, you know, 40 different divisions, uh, you know, the answer is the same. You have to have uh, clear directives, you have to set objectives, you have to inspire people. Uh, and you have to give them purpose. So why leadership matters is there's not a lot that would get done if we didn't have leadership in place in some way. I, I think in terms of, you know, biologically, uh, you know, what, what has nature done to reinforce these exact same principles? Well, it's pretty clear we're all born with a set of parents, right? Whether they stick around for the long haul or not is another thing, but uh, you know, there, there's a reason that we all have elders who help to uh, shape our frame of reference for things. And, you know, that evolutionary move forward is always building upon the knowledge and experience that can be shared uh, from those that are in those senior positions. There's my two cents. <laughs> Yeah, and like you said, it 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 doesn't matter greatly. And the the boat race examples are a really good one. Um, and that book is extreme ownership. Um, Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. It's it's a good read. I mean, you can read it in a weekend. It's a pretty easy read. Um, but in that example, that's that's a great one, right? You know, you see two teams. One team's outperforming all the other boats, and the other teams arguing with each other, yelling at each other, and then you switch the leaders, and you get different results. You know, so it it's just proves to you that you as a leader or anybody really being able to have a positive impact on other individuals to help pull them up to drive the team forward um, can greatly affect the outcome of the team. You can have a team of a bunch of A-star a players, right? But if there's not that, you know, leadership that comes in, you know, somebody help pulling the team together, driving everybody forward, um, it's really difficult to keep team morale, Right. And we 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 seen this recently. Like if if you're here in the states, right, the Super Bowl, right, Tom Brady, right. How does that guy go from, you know, 
the New England Patriots, who everyone thought that was a stacked team, right? And he goes to Florida and Tampa Bay to a team that, you know, wasn't doing as well, was hanging down in the basement for the past couple of years. And how does he get inserted basically with the same people and win the Super Bowl? It, it just shows you right there. It's got to be leadership, right? Because it's same people, just different leader, different result, right? So leadership matters greatly. Um, it, it, it matters whether it could be the difference of being effective or ineffective, right? Yeah, and, I, and I'll just wrap that one up by saying the absence of leadership is one of those things that it becomes glaringly obvious, right? When that's a when that's a deficiency, when it's a gap, uh, it's it's something that's clearly known. Yeah, and it's funny that you say that, right? When there's a deficiency in an organization, you talk to everybody in the organization, and they almost all know it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the funny thing is, sometimes when you see it, it's everybody who's on the front lines is aware that management, there's no leadership, there's miscommunication, but on the top, sometimes they're just so engulfed in their day-to-day operations um, that they don't realize what they're doing, but everyone else below them can see it. It's like they can see how ineffective they are. Um, so it's it it matters greatly. Well, and then that kind of structure, that's to me is one of those things where, you know, as I'm looking at some of these questions, are leadership and management the same? It, it's clearly not. <laughs> right because what you just the scenario that you just walked us through there if if you have a top level that's so disengaged that they can't see what's obvious to everyone else uh several layers down then there's a leadership deficiency right there uh, at the very top and here's what i can tell you too is why leadership matters right when you have those deficiencies at the top but you have people below you who are aware of those deficiencies. Sometimes you can have a leader down in the lower ranks who's pulling the weight of the person of above because they just lead up, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, okay, I see this needs to happen, um, X, Y, and Z, so let's just go out and make this happen, right? Because this is what needs to happen for us to achieve our mission as an organization. Um, So sometimes, you know, that bad leader can be a good thing for people below them because they get a chance to exercise their own leadership skills and find out what they're good at. Um, but, but, you know, long-term the organization, if you have a bad leader at the top, that's not, <laughs> that's, that's not very helpful, but you know, if you can if only manage up for so long, yeah, if you're in that situation, take it as an advantage, right? You know, well, just lead up as long as you can until either the situation gets better or you gain the experience you need to then go somewhere else and take, that talent elsewhere. That's Looks exactly as an right. Opportunity, right? Yeah, it can either be a career enhancement or a career limitation. If if you're able to leverage negotiating, bringing yourself up into a new role and a new salary basis, uh, then that can be a good thing. And overall, it's yep. a win. Uh, if you realize that you've hit the ceiling on where you're being appreciated or where uh, the energy that you're putting into uh, managing up. Uh, is being reciprocated, then it's probably time to look at making your exit and finding a place where you can be appreciated. So I want to ask you another one here, Nick, how leadership has changed in 2020. This is an interesting one to me. Yeah, I think um, for the people who were in touch with emotional intelligence and communication who had those skills, leadership didn't change, right? Leadership is still leadership depending on if we're face-to-face or we're thousands of miles apart or we're 
you know, across the world from, from each other, right? If you're ineffective, you know, in front of people, you're going to be ineffective remotely leading people. That's there's, there's no difference there. Right. And we've talked about it before that leadership is leadership, but I think what it has made it more apparent is that you don't have the people in front of you and you need to be as a leader, more willing to reach out to people to see how they're doing right. Check in with them. Um, don't make it, you know, a, Hey, you're not getting your deliverables done type thing. I mean, how quick is it for us to just hop on a zoom call real quick and just, you know, talk for five minutes? Like, how's your weekend? You know, what's going on? Is there anything I can do for you? Um, is there anything, you know, any roadblocks that I can get out of your way? I think it's being aware, more emotional intelligence is going to be more important going forward. Um, and once people do get back working in an office, which is going to happen eventually at some point in time, right? Um, but, you know, you could just take those skills that you honed in and bring them back to the office. Because like we've said before, leadership is leadership no matter where we are. It's true. Something that I have seen is there's been an introduction of some new bad habits that I've come across as I've talked with a number of different uh, organizations and leadership structures within teams. Zoom has had uh, a negative impact in the sense that it's added a new layer of a micromanagement style that I don't yeah. know is necessarily helping productivity. But again, the key the key term there is management, right? We're just discussing our leadership and management, the same thing. Clearly, yeah, they're, they're not. <laughs> and I, I just make a great point. We had Brent Williams, who was on like episode 24 or something like that. It was in the 20s. I'll link it in the show notes. But he had a great one line. He's like, you know, you lead people and you manage resources. Don't manage people, manage resources. Lead your people. Yeah, absolutely. And it's almost as if for certain you know, personality types who are in management roles, uh, when they've got direct reports and they've been thrust into this remote operating kind of structure, it's almost like they lean on things like filling up your calendar with a bunch of meetings because it makes them feel like they can keep their finger on the pulse of your productivity when in fact it's actually becoming an inhibitor to productivity. <laughs> you're, taking, you're taking away from the valuable time necessary to actually perform work by cluttering it up with a bunch of uh, you know, micromanagement style scrutiny over what is yeah. it that you're doing. It's like yeah, the TPS reports. Great, great right? points, right? Like <laughs> the other thing too we can talk about is a mandatory camera, cameras on mandatory, right? And I get that, you know, especially when we're talking about what what happened in 2020, you know, pandemic, everybody working from home, you know, turning the camera, saying that there's an expectation that people turn their cameras on at some point in the meeting is great, but making it mandatory and my thing is a bit excessive, right? I mean, people could be working from home, have their kids, maybe they got to do something with their kid, got to go into the bathroom. If you have a small kid, you might have to go into the bathroom with them and help them, right? So like it's let's turn this requirement off of having to have your camera on. Say, hey, you know, come in, let's let's have the camera on if you have it available. But if you shut it off, we're not going to start, you know, questioning you where you are, what you're doing, right? Hire people, trust them to get the work done until they give you a reason not to trust them, right? There's no reason to to hire people and then micromanage them 
and think that they're not going to get work done. The easiest way to tell if someone's being effective or not is the work getting done. Are people complaining about deliverables? Then if not, then who cares? Stop looking at that That's team's exactly indicator. Right. Stop stop booking you know, Zoom meetings, telling people to have their camera on instantly. Like Just, just leave them alone. Let them work. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. We also have these additional feedback mechanisms like your Office 365 Cortana report, right? And it shows you your little matrix. <laughs> you know, here's here's your number of quiet days in the month, and here's your your average percentage of productivity. And it's just like, well, how would you know? Is is it because it's what on what's on my calendar? actually uh, is what elevates to a level of determining whether or not I've been productive. Uh, You know, uh, is it fingers off of the keyboard? You know, something that I know we've talked about in some of our our prior uh, leadership personality profiling discussions, you know, the need for uh, introversion and extroversion. You Mm -hmm. know, you do things like like a disc assessment and you end up seeing a matrix where you've got different members of a team whose personality types fall in in different areas. You know, hopefully that's true. Uh, you know, perhaps if you're if you're just dealing with a sales team, you would see all of those sort of line up in you know more of a very specific kind of way. But if you're dealing with something like an IT department, hopefully you've got a pretty good you know spread of those personality types. Uh, across what that matrix looks like because you need some people who are detail-oriented just as much as you need some people who are influencers. And, uh, you know, you need some people who want to move fast and have vision and don't necessarily want to get caught up in the details, but they've got someone who can come along and help fill in the gaps and ensure we've got an action plan for all those things that actually have to get done in order to meet this vision. And, introversion, I think, is one of those things that tends to get overlooked. It's important to me to actually have some time to disengage because I need to assimilate a lot of information that's coming into me. I need to take time to reflect on it. And that's where my powers as a strategist really come into play. As long as I have that opportunity to be introverted, even though I think for the most part, I'm an extrovert. So, you know, some of those other, you know, metrics that now fill up your inbox to tell you, you know, what your performance is, uh, I haven't seen those necessarily as, as being ultimately helpful also. I, you know, it, I've seen those too. And for our podcast, you know, we run off, we have the email for the podcast, Office 365. So I see that email like, like once a month or something like that. Um, and to me, like like you said, productivity is relative to each person, right? What I might deem productivity for me, it could mean something completely different for you. You know, like uh, we've got this podcast, got a day job, I do a live stream, and you could be like, you know, that's too much. That's not productive for me, right? Um, so it, it's relative to each person. And some of the telematics that, you know, Microsoft's starting to do with some of the 365 is starting to get a little bit creepy to me. It's almost like um, email marketing, you know, where like they're tracking opens and all this. And it's like at a certain point, like, why do you want to do that to your employees? Right? Like either the work's getting done or it's not getting done. And if it's not getting done, everybody's going to know it's not getting done. So like, 
why, why are you going to micromanage them? Um, that's true. Maybe, maybe it's good to have to just glance at it and look at it, but that shouldn't be the determining factor for anything at all. And like you said, like, does it go based on your calendar? Um, cause you know, and a lower level tier one IT person is going to have a lot less meetings than someone who's a sales rep <laughs> that's selling 24 seven, right? right? Like they're going to have a lot less stuff on their calendar. Um, you know, where the tier one support reps probably going to have nothing on their calendar most of the time. And yet so they're maybe one of the busiest people in the organization. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's why I brought it up. Like they can spend, you know, for them an hour on a phone call might be bad or it might be good, right? For a salesperson, that could be terrible, right? They're spending an hour on a phone call with one person. So it's, it's just all relative. And those metrics are there, I guess, for something to look at. But to me, they don't really mean a whole lot. And that was a long tired you know, <laughs> that, that was a long thing by me, but yeah, as you can tell, I'm not a fan of it. But <laughs> Well, again, I think it, it factors into some areas where, you know, from a management perspective, uh, that's not necessarily the most effective way to be managing your resources, right? Uh, <laughs> again, trust is one of those key principles that if it doesn't exist, you need to figure out how do you imbue that? in the team and in my own experience if trust is missing from the team even if it's just a single individual resource within the team then you have a real issue that's toxic and uh, it, it has to be addressed head on you know to that point i i uh, i want to touch on one other thing that i was just reflecting on in terms of how leadership has changed in 2020 i think about we, you know, we've really seen a lot of, uh, in the media sphere, a lot of these competing realities, like at a level that's been unprecedented, you know, uh, we've, we've had this same sort of challenge between, uh, you know, political factions in particular, where, you know, you've got, uh, you know, either those who are favoring science on one side and those who are naysayers of science, um, you know, regardless of what your position is on those things. But it's it's gone from being, uh, you know, like two competing political philosophies to having these competing realities. And part of what I've seen emerge that I actually think is healthy and positive is I've seen a lot of leaders taking a position and calling out things that are clearly not fact-based and challenging uh, a lot of the assumptions around things where it's a little bit squishy, like how truthy is that? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so um, I, you know, I, I think that where that is particularly effective and helpful is when you are in a leadership role, it's important to ensure that you're talking about things in a common vocabulary and from a position of a factual basis that everyone agrees upon. Because mm -hmm. if you don't have that as a level set agreement, it's kind of like the trust thing, right? Yeah. You're going to have a toxic condition that's going to make it difficult for everyone to be rowing in the same direction. Yeah. And I, I think part of that too is being honest when you don't know something, right? Like it, it can become apparent to people right away when you don't know something and people are just fluffing stuff out, trying to feel like they have to know the answer, but it's okay to say, I don't know. That's why I have this person on the team here, you know? 
uh, Joe over here, Jan or whoever, Mr. Potato Head, Mrs. Potato Head. Like, I, like yeah, that, that's a reference to the Mr. Potato Head thing. But, you know, it's <laughs> like, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just one of the things. That's why you have team members, right? No one person's ever going to know everything about anything. That's, that's why you have a team and that's why you have team members. Utilize them, you know, let them, let them do their jobs. Amen to that. Okay. I think I took the last question. So you're going to have to come up with one. <laughs> we'll do one more question here. Let me see if I can find a good one and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. Right. Um, man, there's just so many things and this is just such a great resource to, for like, if anyone writes content or like, you just want to look up an idea. It's, it's you should link this one. in the link this in the show notes as well. Yeah. This would be good for folks to be able to have a visual reference of what we're looking at. So along the same vein, here's a good one, right? How does leadership affect culture? Mm. Yeah, we've, we've kind of been talking about this, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, absolutely. I think it, it factors in a lot to some of the comments that we've already made. Uh, particularly the one where we talked about the absence of leadership, right? That can be felt pretty quickly. When you've got a vacuum of leadership, you've got an organization where the culture is probably in disarray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you probably don't have a lot of uniformity in agreement around what the objectives are because everyone's kind of off, you know, steering their own ship. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, from a cultural perspective, uh, you know, I have seen uh, a couple of different leaders that have been great mentors to me uh, who've been both effective and ineffective. And part of what I mean by that, and a lot of it goes back to what we're just referring to in terms of truth and operating from a common factual basis. When you have a culture that starts at the top, where honesty is a principle that is safeguarded and cherished and no matter how uncomfortable, it's always something that ends up being a guiding principle where you're bringing the conversation back to honesty and and maintaining that level of integrity. Um, Because then that is to me what uh, inherently governs trust. Right. Mm-hmm. If you know somebody is going to be a straight shooter with you at all times, even when it's uncomfortable to you, even when it's uncomfortable to others on the team, but that the outcomes have the intent of let's be as transparent as possible because this is going to help us all improve uh, versus, you know, sugarcoating something, dancing around something, or being outright dishonest uh, by not bringing those things forward. You know, that has a clear impact on the culture because to me, you know, that uh, impetus really starts at the top and works its way down. So, uh, so in one example that I think of specifically, I've seen a culture that took a turn for the dishonest and it, it wasn't overt dishonesty. It was just omission of critical information that could have benefited uh, the rest of the organization. And and what it did was it created a culture of confusion. And yeah. so now you've got, you know, a rumor mill and whisper campaigns that are, you know, uh, just inherently going on at the lower levels of the organization. 
And that's when it starts to become very difficult to shut those things down because people already feel mistrust. And so if you, even as a middle manager, let's say, come along and say, no, 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 there's, there's more context to this. I can't tell you what it is right now, but I, I guarantee you there is. Well, they've already lost trust. Yeah. And it's really hard to turn it around at that point. Yeah, I, I think you you know made a lot of great points. Someone's just being upfront with your people, right? Do they need to know every single detail, right? But I mean, you, you at least need to be upfront with them right away and let them know if something's not right, right? Because people can tell. Like they don't need to wait, you know, till you tell them. A lot of times, a rumor mill's running before you say anything. Um, and if you don't say anything, it's just worse. Because normal norm time, what goes around to the rumor mill mill is worse than what's actually happening. Um, and you can lose talent that way. Um, bad leadership hurts, hurts teams. It impacts organizations performance. Right. And I think you made a great point too, right? Having a mission organization, a mission statement, right. And have it be like a real mission statement, a real vision statement, not like we want to be the number one, you know, metal manufacturer supplier in the Southeast. That's like an objective, right? That's like something you want to achieve. That's not your mission. <laughs> like, so, so what happens when you become the number one South? Like what's next? Right. But if you have, you know, guiding principles of some type of mission, which is like, Hey, we are the most ethically sourced, you know, commercial manufacturing company. We source all of our, you know, equipment from fair trade, all our metal from fair trade miners in South America or something along that lines. Right then that's a guiding principle and everybody below them knows, okay, everything we do is fair trade. So I need to make sure that every contract I'm signing, that everything goes down through because this is what we're built on. Um, and I think a lot of organizations miss that, right? They get stuck in some strategic, you know, some overall arching number objective being some market player instead of figuring out what it is they really help people do or what it is they really do. A great segue into the uh, you know the second example that I was going to use with another mentor of mine. Uh, her approach was one that I I just really resonated with. Uh, I respected it tremendously. It uh, it, it played to my strengths, uh, which is probably part of why you know it resonated so strongly. But it's one that I've emulated a lot with some of my own teams, which is to undergo uh, strategic planning exercises by. Mm -hmm you know, bringing in a vision and, mm -hmm. and starting at that very high level. And as the leader establishing that vision, here is my vision. Now let's all discuss as a team, what are the underlying objectives that are going mm -hmm. to drive us to fulfilling that? And what it does is number one, it empowers everyone who's on the team. Now you've mm -hmm. all been equalized with the ability to ideate together, right? You're all contributing at the same level and your contributions are more than just saying, you know, I'm building a widget. It's now I'm actually one of the enablers behind curating this strategic vision, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and that develops a level of camaraderie where, you know, I think it's safe to say people take pride in their work when they feel like they've got a sense of ownership in something. And whether or not you've got an employee ownership structure at your company, granting people the ownership of being able to contribute the most important part of themselves, which are their ideas, their imagination, right? Their, their uh, ability to, to imagineer 
uh, you know, right along with whatever those guiding principles and that, that driving vision are. Um, those end up being things to me that, you know, it's invaluable to strengthening a team and the resonance that then permeates the entire culture around it. You can feel that energy when you work in, when you walk into organizations where that kind of dynamic is at work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you, you make a great point. And for anyone who wants a good rundown on it, you know, Simon Sinek's book, you know, start with why is, is a great way to figure out, you know, you know, gets you thinking about different organizations and how they look at their business. Right. He goes through like what, like Southwest and like Disney world. And like, I can't remember all the examples in there, but he, he goes through a bunch of business cases and he was like, look, this is the reason why, you know, people, you know, follow these organizations. Um, everything from a small organization to like elite military teams to, you know, a mom and pop shop. Um, the reason why they're successful. And it's because they, they know their why. They understand it. Amen to that. Yeah, I love it. I guess with that, I mean, that's well, that's a pretty decent episode, <laughs> man. <laughs> We even got to end with a reference to a book. Oh, we did. We did. (laughs) Randomly. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Well done. Yeah, appreciate it, Brian. Um, With that, we'll just wrap it up. And I I guess the one thing we haven't been doing the whole time we've done this is, you know, asking people if they like, you know, lead.exe to just go ahead and leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to this. Um, if it's good, leave it. If, if you think we're bad, leave it. You know, we just want to hear feedback either way. Um, so if you could leave us a review and, and, and rate us, um, and share with, with, uh, somebody you think who might enjoy it, we'd appreciate that. Right. Absolutely. And if anyone's looking to get a hold of me, you can find me on LinkedIn, um, or Twitter, um, just search for Nick Lozano, uh, on LinkedIn, you'll find me. Uh, what about you, Brian? Yeah, same. LinkedIn is the place to find me. And, uh, you know, before LinkedIn, I think I I believed my name was actually a unique one. Uh, Since the days of the inception of LinkedIn, I realized that there's about 50 other Brian Comerfords. Uh, Fortunately, I was the first one one to have a profile on LinkedIn. So I tend to uh, show up at the top level of the search. I'm, Uh, I'm literally in the process of like if anyone's still listening to this this is funny but um i'm still in the process i'm rebranding some of my social media to like just ronan janitor because if you google that i can come up in the top but if you google nick lozano (laughs) there's like five thousand of them (laughs) so so um i'm just kind of rolling with it embracing the brand um yeah it's like hey Hey, there's no doubt it's how people can find you man it's like one just the name doesn't matter if people can find you man Ronan Janitor. That's OG. There you go. Yeah, it is. Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Nick. All right. With that, we'll uh, thank everybody for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you next time.